You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. Today, I am doing another show that is a crossover show with Brendan Headkey from Believe in Timberwolves. Uh, as usual, it is his show, but I'm obviously the guest and we're, we've got it running on both channels. We had a really good conversation about Minnesota's struggles, everything to do with those struggles. Um, we, we kind of ranged across all Timberwolves topics. So as usual, I'll insert, I'll insert that audio here and and it'll be led by him kind of interviewing me. But yeah, the, the conversation was really good. So I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. And on today's episode, I do have a special guest, um, the creator of Howls and Growls, the newsletter, which all of you need to go check out and subscribe to right now. Um, that is Jake Painting. Used to be Canis Hoopus, I guess technically still because your podcast is still part of the family. So um, yeah, Jake is here to talk basketball. So how's it going, Jake? Yeah, very well. Um Still licking the wounds from from yesterday's loss, but um, yeah, pretty well. And and I appreciate the the love for the Substack, but but yeah, I'm really happy to be here and talking to you today. Yeah, so Jake and I don't really have too much planned for this episode because I think it's going to be a lot of opportunity to free flow and kind of talk about this terrible losing streak and everything that the Timberwolves are going on right now. But before we do that, the Timberwolves did play Friday night their first game of their city editions. And prior to the game, I was seeing a lot of hate for the, the gray uniforms that they wore the Jimmy Butler year, like the first city edition uniforms that the Timberwolves had. Um, And I'm not a fan of the hate because I do like them. So what I'm going to have Jake and I do, and I kind of sprung this on him, but we're going to rank. I think there's been five. There's been the gray ones, the purple Prince ones, the light blues, the black ones from last year with the stars on the side, and then this year's blue ones. So I want to start at the bottom, and I want to know, out of those five, because there's been some, like, they had the white Prince unis, but I think those were technically, like, the earned edition, so those don't count. Yeah. And then they had the black with trees the one year, but those also don't count. So which is your least favorite from those five? I want to preface it by saying that I think they're all good, um, which is weird in, in Timberwolves' world for something to be universally good. But I think we're, we're on the same page, at least semi on the same page, that the Greys are, uh, are not a bad jersey. I think the Blues, the Baby Blues, are probably the, my least favourite. I have a Baby Blues one and I, I do like them, but I think I would have them just below 
the greys. I think the baby blues, are, they're a little boring. Like the MSP was a little plain as well. I know it's uh, kind of a nod to, to Minneapolis, St. Paul, but like it's, yeah, it's it's not my favourite. And it's a, for, an, for a city edition jersey, I, I like them when they're a little bit bold and, and the light blue is a bold colour, but not not very exciting, I think. Yeah, and that's probably what I would put fifth on the list. I I like them. Like you said, literally the only Timberwolves jersey I own is actually a light blue one. I have two <laughs> basketball jerseys. I have I have an what did I I just ordered one. I can't remember who it is. I think I ordered a Jada McDaniels one. Oh, that's good. and I don't even remember what colorway I ordered, but I, I ordered <laughs> one. But that'll be the second Wolves jersey I have. And then the only other jersey I have is like the black snakeskin Kobe Lakers uh, yeah, jersey. Yeah, like the black it, mamba jersey uh-huh yeah. and my my college roommate got like the number eight one and i got a 24 um those are the only two jerseys i own uh oh no 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 i own like a adidas chris bosh white and red like miami heat one too <laughs> but um yeah i just don't have a lot of jerseys but i would echo what you said i think they're all good the baby blues are a little bit boring but i will say this about those they made for some fire merch, like yeah. overall, like sweatshirts, like hoodies. I think that stuff was done better than the jerseys were. Yeah. I love the color and they were pretty, but they were pretty plain. And that's why I probably have them last on the list. So I'll go ahead. You did that one first. I'll do this one first. This, this is going to be a very, very controversial thing that I'm about to say right here. I'm... And I think you know where I'm going. I'm putting the I'm putting the Prince jerseys. No, I thought you were going to say say the the most recent ones, the tree. No, no, no. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I this is blasphemy. Really, we talked about this already. We like them all. I love the white Prince jerseys way more than I like the purple ones. But again, what I said with the blue ones. They made some fire merch with these with this jersey. Oh yeah. But I just didn't love the jersey as much as I loved like all the merchandise that came out with it. I'm gonna get a lot of hate from the people that listen to this. <laughs> and I um, honestly I I encourage And from the it. person sitting across from me. That's that's blasphemy. I I do love the boldness of purple. And I'm just saying stylistically like they have a ton of meaning to the state of Minnesota with Prince and he's like a legend. But like when I'm thinking about jerseys, I'm not thinking about anything. I don't care about meaning or anything right now. I'm just talking strictly looks. They're fourth. I I struggled to put them above my or below the next one. I'm going to say, but I'd say they're fourth. The colorway though, like the colorway on those make up for any stylistic deficiencies like i don't like the shoulder thing you know what i'm talking about the little with like the triangles, triangles and the shoulders yeah, yeah. i think it just looks out of place but um yeah. the color scheme is fantastic uh, i don't I, know i knew you were gonna not like that one <laughs> i'd have the gray ones fourth um i don't know if i like the grays more than i should because the team was good when they wore them and that really like sticks in I my have mind. great memories i think they wore them game every game against denver i think they wore them every the game playoffs. in the playoffs like so maybe i think they did too and even though they got swept or gentlemen swept uh i still remember that being just like a great time to be a timberwolves fan before the jimmy butler and they, stuff they wore down. them they wore them game 82 and i was at game 82 yeah. against denver and like i think that's why yeah. I really like them. So I'll say this. They're they're my third. So I have them right above right. the Prince Oats. And I struggled with that order there. 
but I, they're very plain, but I think they're like clean, you know, like all white jerseys. Sometimes you think are like really clean. Yeah. I think those grays are really good. And I love the, the fading from front to back that they do with that side thing that they used on this year's too. I love that. So that's why I'm like, I'm okay with it. Like I really liked them. They kept them simple. Um, And yeah, maybe the fond memories kind of play into that fact when Jimmy Butler didn't hate Minnesota. So they're (laughs) Uh, third for me. All right. Well, I've got, I've got the start, the stars, the, the Aurora uh, green and blacks from last season. I I really like those. And I think they look better in person. I have one of those as well, but Anthony Edwards one, and that might be my favorite Jersey to just wear, but that could be because it's Anthony Edwards, but like, yeah, they're, they're a good Jersey. I don't think they're great, but I think they're really not the black and black jerseys. I have a soft spot for all black jerseys with a, with a bright color, like the, the any Phoenix black Jersey or the, the Utah one that they've been using for like yeah. four, so four straight seasons, like they're dope as well. So I would go the black third and then second, I would have the remix, I think. Okay. Just, okay. I, I don't love the dark blue back. I didn't know that until, last night like we'd only kind of seen it front on uh i don't love that it fades i know it's it's kind of a nod to those gray jerseys how they fade from one tone to the other um i would have preferred them if they would if they just had like dark blue stripes on the side and they were light blue still on the back but uh-huh i didn't love the dark yeah. blue. there's a lot going on on them um they're a bit busy but they're dope man like anything with the trees are good enough for me and and the, the font yeah. as well the kind of old kg era font um they're good they're they're a good jersey yeah i think they knocked it out of the part with those um you kind of said what i wanted to say about the black ones those are my second with the stars they i mean one anthony edwards had like the dunk of the best dunk in nba history (laughs) with those on so that probably helps too but i thought those were really clean black with the subtle like lime green and gray was very good um so then the remix are obviously my number one i love the blue and green um i think they did even better with the trees because the old ones like the trim was black and green trees yeah where now it's like green and blue and i think that might even look better than like the retro blues with the black and green i think obviously the the all black black and green are good i think they're the first jersey where i've ever looked at like the release and thought i need a pair of those shorts like the shorts are mad yeah that's a good point yeah you never just are like i need the shorts but those ones you do with the old shep logo and the new shep logo on each side i do have fantastic. one pair of shorts like the they're not official shorts you know the ones with the wolves on the front they have like the lakers ones like you know have the lakers like the, the lebron wears the lakers across the front yep um, uh-huh. i have a pair of those they're like the old blue and green uh with the wolves oh yeah logo across the front the, the like the very first wolves logo there so i like that they use that kind of color scheme but the shorts with the old chef on one side and the new logo on the other side awesome and they look good in person too which i think they the jerseys always look better when they're on the players but i thought they looked really good like the, the wolves looked good last night physically on uh, like <laughs> yeah look good feel good don't play good. yeah stylistically it was a they knocked it out the park on court production yeah. not so much i never noticed how close like the new logo and the old logo actually kind of they look yeah. pretty similar which yeah. i never really put together but so then your your number one's obviously the Prince jerseys yeah, and that. Yeah. And I don't need, you know, I'm not going to hammer home that yeah, point too much. I, they are, the, I, script, I, the script writing is awesome, man. The script and the color scheme, like, uh, I'm a sucker for that. Yeah. And like, to be fair, 
I totally get why people love those the most. I, it's just, and you want to know the best part of this? Purple's my favorite. <laughs> so the fact that those aren't my favorite jerseys tells you that, like, I just like those other ones better. Um, but anyways, I think that was, I, I was ready to say it because I knew I was going to have a controversial controversial take on it. But let's go ahead. Um, before, I'm going to get sorry, a quick ad. Before we move on, what, like, what do you think of their normal jerseys, like their icons and their... Um, they're what, trash they're terrible yeah. aren't they like they're, i i'm not a fan of the stripes like washington always had this yeah. like the few lines i'm not a fan of them they could be worse because they're at least they're like they're clean plain and they're not an eyesore yeah but like they're not the they green you're not so a green jersey better. fan tell me you're not a highlighter green jersey no. fan they're the worst jerseys no i don't in the nba i don't hate I them hate like them. some people hate them but i think they're i think they're pretty bad Mark, I think they're pretty bad. And Mark I've been, Lorian. I'm going to be going to a lot of Saturday games this year. So I'm going to be seeing those jerseys <laughs> a lot. Uh, Laurie and Rodriguez, the first thing they need to do is come and, and rebrand the jerseys. Give us the trees on a daily basis. That's, it's, that's, I like easy... the logo. I don't think we need a full rebrand. No, we just, just need new jerseys. Yeah. That, that's the easiest way to appeal to the fan base without actually doing anything of importance. Just give them the old jerseys back. I wish they would use these blue ones all year. Yeah. I think they rock. I, I think they rock for sure. Um, but anyways, let's talk about basketball, even though people maybe would rather listen to that Jersey <laughs> conversation more than basketball. Before we do that, though, I'm going to get a quick break in and then uh, Jake and I will be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Jake. So we are back trying to talk about whatever product has been put on the court. Um, Timberwolves are currently on a four game losing streak. We're recording this Saturday night. Um, so they don't play again until Monday. So by the time this is out, you'll still have a full day to listen to it before um, another game happens. The first loss was fine. I think the, cause the first loss would have been the Denver loss. Mm-hmm. That was the loss where it was like, okay, you grinded it out. Um, you know, you had a decent lead, but it was, I, I, that was the least concerning loss they've had all season. I was just like, okay, they lost to a solid team. Both teams were just grinding it out, and we just made a couple more mistakes than they did, and it cost us the game. Um, but then they lost to Orlando. Man, not good. Not good at all. And then the two Clippers losses, the first one was really concerning. Um, and the second one was too, just kind of in their own, like, you know what, the, let me take that back. The first one, I wasn't as concerned just because like when a team shoots that good, you're going to lose regardless. But the second one, when you have a 20 point lead, blow it and end up losing by 20, 
that's super concerning. Not to the point where I'm like done with the season and like think it's a wash, but something's got to change. And really it's got to be offensively. Like I, I know they've had some defensive times where they didn't look that great. Um, but last season's wolves would have made all these teams they've played look good offensively too. And they haven't done that. So I'm still really encouraged by the defense, but the offense needs to start getting it together. So I guess you're the, I think you're the best person in Timberwolves, Twitter, Timberwolves writing space for like understanding play calls and play sets and things like that. Do you think there's been a lack of Chris Finch involvement in the offense or what do you kind of think? Is it play calling? Is it personnel just not hitting shots, combination of both? How much do you weigh each part of that, I guess? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. I I wasn't as concerned about it before this little Clippers series where I thought they've been running pretty good plays most of the season. They stood, I think this season compared to last season, they're running less plays, which I which I expected now that Finch kind of has his fingerprints a little bit more all over the team and he he isn't trying to, I guess, force feed them them buckets all game. He's more trying to to install a system and let them play the system and, and run these plays themselves and, and make read and react decisions themselves. Uh, so I expected a little bit less and there has been. I still think they ran a lot of really good stuff at the start of the season and the shots just weren't going in and that happens that I think I, I spoke on that, that I wasn't overly concerned about the offense through the first kind of few struggling offensive games. Um, shots aren't falling really around the league. Uh, and and guys like, if guys like Beasley and Russell were shooting under 30% for those first, whatever, five, six games, like they're getting good looks, especially Beasley. The, the sets Chris Finch runs for Beasley are really good. Even in these, is this Clippers series that he just runs some awesome sets for, for Beasley. But I was really concerned about, and I am uh, really concerned about the way they're using Towns at the moment. I, I hated, I hated that second half, the, the insistence to post him up. Um, I don't like how posting up in general, really. Like it's not, I understand that being able to collapse the defense and make him make plays to shooters is a strategy that will work because the defense inherently will get sucked in towards towns. But uh, I don't know. I, I just think that the, the opportunity cost for just having him shoot 10 threes a night face up in the post rather than, than back down, like get him at the elbows like they do with Jokic. I, I get they're trying to kind of use him in a Jokic way where he can, he can command the floor as a playmaker from the post. But I, I, I'd love to just see him, used as a guy who can catch at the elbow and can turn and face plays. It's so much harder to bring double teams at a big man when he's facing the ring. Um, it's so much easier to bring that double from the from the baseline when he's facing away from the rim. Uh, and then I don't think Towns makes decisions quick enough to, to constantly be put in those situations where he has got two, three guys on him at all times. And then you compound that with with guys missing shots, even when he does manage to whip a pass out to them and the offense just completely dies and you're left relying on Anthony Edwards isolations, which usually are Anthony Edwards pull up threes, um, which is a problem unto itself. But I, I think I do trust that Finch is smart enough to work it out. And, and like last night, 
whenever they ran sets for Tat to get him a three-point lock or to get him a quick hitter in, in the mid-range where he can turn and face and hit a cutter, um, it worked. He shot seven of 11 from the field. Like it, it, we're, We have all been banging on about how poorly Towns played or about how much he struggled kind of to, to get a rhythm. And he had like an 80% true shooting. And the, the struggle is that he can't get the ball because they're, they're dumping him in the post and trusting that the defense will start to respect the, the guys around him. And like Finch is finding out what we probably have known for years is that teams will not respect anyone on the Timberwolves bar Carl Anthony Towns um, until, you know, they consistently make shots. The, the reputation of Malik Beasley or the reputation of, Jaden McDaniels being a 37% catch and shoot guy. It's it's not as strong as the reputation that if you shut down towns, you beat the Timberwolves. So uh, I'm to, you know, a long-winded answer to your question, but I think that if you use towns the right way, you can still have him as a playmaker. You can still open up shots for other guys and open up cuts for other guys without kind of, you know, sitting him in the post and, and inviting pressure to, to him. Yeah. And I guess I thought we'd see more of like a Princeton style offense mm-hmm. from this Timberwolves team with a lot of cat catching at the elbow guys, cutting off of him, making plays that way. And we haven't seen, like you said, I don't get the insistence on throwing it to cat in the post and making him, that's where he draws his offensive fouls. Yeah. That's where he gets frustrated with the referees. Everything that takes him out of the game happens in the post. And I think he's a solid post player, but he doesn't have the personnel around him to allow him to be that because the shooting just hasn't been there. So they've been like, we take Cat away in the post and we live with whatever happens if he dishes it out of there. Um, So that I just, I don't understand where it's been coming from. Like the, the insistency on Cat getting the ball in the post, but I guess I'm not like, and this is maybe just me being super optimistic, but I'm not overly concerned about the offense because when you think about this team post all-star break last year, they had the 11th highest offensive rating in the Mm -hmm. league. That was with the same and albeit missing, like, you know, players missing time. Malik Beasley didn't play like at all. I don't think. I don't know if he played for Chris Maybe, Finch at all last season. I think season. he played four games. Maybe four yeah, games. Between four games. the suspension yeah. and the injury. And he was clearly and he like, didn't look good. No, he was rusty. Yep. And he, he didn't look good. But you still had D'Lo out for some of that time. But then you had Cat. You had Ant. So you had your four best scores. You still had Jada McDaniels. You still had Jared Vanderbilt playing minutes. Josh Kogi playing minutes. But you also had someone like Ricky Rubio, who wasn't a shooter, replaced by Patrick Beverly. You had Juancho Hernan Gomez replaced by um, Torian Prince, which in theory... <laughs> Somehow been worse than it should have been. <laughs> but in theory, at least the same level of shooter yeah. and, and as Wancho. Shooters are volatile. And a better defender. Yeah, shooters are volatile. Yeah. Like, like Prince will have a stage where he shoots 50% for six games straight. Like, yes. that's, that's yep. just kind of for what sure. happens. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is an offense that was 11th, Post all break. That's a big sample. That's 36 games last season. I don't get how <laughs> they should end up being worse than what, yeah, than what they were then when they have as much, if not more, with more time with their coach, with 
theoretically a healthier roster. Um, so I think it'll turn around, but it needs to turn around soon before they get too far out of, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to doomsday this and say eight games in the season, they're going to find themselves out of the playoff picture, but they have a tough stretch coming up. Mm-hmm. They play like Memphis, Golden State, both LA teams. Like those are the next four games. Like yeah. that's four, that could be an easy four game loss. You're on an eight game losing streak and all of a sudden you're three and nine instead of, you know, and that's a you're tough, hoping to be like tough hill to climb to even get back to like, the, you know, playing level. And, and the good news is right now, I mean, they're only two games back from the third seed because yeah. the whole Western Conference is like between five and three and three and five. Yeah. So well, if you're looking for... Luckily, everybody's kind of been teetering on like mediocrity. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if you're looking for thing. silver linings, like there's a lot of teams in the West right now that are struggling that should be better than they are. It's probably only Memphis that are like the teams that we in that, you know, seven to 11 range that we were like... Uh, assuming the Timberwolves would be in that are playing well, like Portland aren't playing well. Uh, the Pelicans are probably almost done and dusted before done. they're one and nine. Yeah, they're like, done. I mean, they're done. Um, Sacramento are playing Until Zion Sacramento comes back. are playing well, but uh, there's a couple of other teams in there that are playing a lot worse than you'd think. So, like, there is in your standings watching, there is kind of hope that the Timberwolves are still in that that pack of teams. But if you're going on what we've seen the last four games it it feels like such an uphill battle to get to that level because they've been terrible and it's like it's so early in the season i i or you know 24 hours after the game i always kind of come back down to earth a little bit and you think like like it's been eight games that at any point like if they beat the grizzlies next game we probably all are back on cloud nine or at least cloud six like yeah so it's it's a volatile kind of season and it ends when it's so early and teams are playing like we've seen the Timberwolves start get seasons 10 and eight, you know, and then win 19 games or whatever, 24 games. Yeah. Like it, it, it can, it can go really bad early or it can go really good early. And that can really not mean too much towards the end of the season. So like they can definitely figure it out. I, I just think that um, they need to figure it out pretty quickly. And, and I do trust Finch. Finch is always since he's been here, been really good at making adjustments and making yeah. smart adjustments in game and from on a game to game basis. So I hope, and I, I optimistically hope that he will be looking at it and thinking like, there's more we can do to get cat involved. I think, I think he went a little bit the, the other way. They spoke about getting cat involved prior um, after that Orlando game. And I think the way they went was let's just get him in the post, get him close to the rim Let's, you know, he can dominate Zubats, he can dominate most big guys, and, and he is really good in the post when he can get single coverage or he can get deep yep. post position. But um clearly LA game planned that right out of the Timberwolves and, and and really took advantage of it. So I'd like to see him just go with a little bit different playing like Dirk. He is, you know, he's he's a Dirk type player, he's not Embiid or or Jokic. Like I, I think they need to play to his strengths. He's shooting like six threes a game. I'd, I'd like to see that doubled, honestly. Like, I know some people hate watching a center shoot threes and jack up threes all night. I love but, it. Uh, yeah, like... When your center's literally, like, a career 40% three-point shooter. Yeah, and he's shooting so good this season, too. Like, and he can shoot... Off and that off. opens up so much. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, I mean, he's 
pulling out a big defender, even if they're not going with the center, somebody else is getting pulled out, um, which just opens up cutting and, and, and all been, sorts of there's stuff. There's been no cutting but, this season. The, cu- the cutting frequency has been so low. And I think that if you can kind of create space behind or in front of towns, that'll open things up for, for Edwards to cut a little bit more. McDaniels was a, such a good cutter last season. And, and I can't even remember a single, you know, cutting dunk that he's had or cutting layup that he's had. Like, I can't believe I'm about to say this. And I thought of this in the middle of last game. It might be Jake Lehman time. It might be Jake Lehman time, just simply because he is literally a very, very high quality NBA cutter. Hmm. And he's not really that negative of player yeah. per se. He's just kind of like in a weird role, but like if you get him surrounded with guys with high energy, he's going to play good defense and he'll space the floor a little bit. He's not a great shooter, but he can make an open three, but he's going to cut very well. And even if you just throw him in there to show the team that it's possible, like it might be worth it, but I know you're already struggling because you have a 11 man rotation as it is. Yeah. And you don't want to keep adding that mix, but like somebody's got to cut. You don't have any rim penetration outside of Anthony Edwards. So a cutting is the next best thing mm-hmm. to get to the rim. And the Timberwolves haven't been able to do that. Jake Lehman's really good at that. So And he's good in transition might... as well. And that's yeah, right sure. now that's the only time they look good. They, only, they look good in that first half against the Clippers because when they're playing good defense and they and they're taking the ball off the rim rather than out of the out of the basket, you know, like when they can get a rebound and go, that's when they look good because they can attack like a broken floor kind of defense. Um when when the other team's scoring and they have to play half court basketball every possession, that's when it starts to bog down. Even even last night when they had that kind of little mini run where Beasley Beasley hit a couple of threes and then Ant hit a three out of the pick and roll. Um that was all off they were all came off missed shots. From, from LA. Um, and that's fine. It, it's awesome that, that if you play in good defense, you can convert that to offense because that'll lead to 20-point leads. But as we've seen, teams hit shots. Like, like Orlando will start hitting shots. LA will start hitting shots. Every team will start hitting shots. And if you can't score in the half court uh, when those teams are hitting shots, then those 15, 20-point leads that you build by, by playing fast and quick and punishing teams for their missed shots, they're going to evaporate really quickly. And yeah, I, I, I just, it, it still boggles my mind that they've been so bad in, in the half court offensively. It makes more sense now that we watch it because like there is no one who can put pressure on the rim. And that is a massive, massive problem. That's the biggest problem on the team. It's not rebounding. It's not defensive personnel. It's the fact that no one can score at the rim. And that's another reason why I, I like Towns getting out because if he can play more of as a driver, you at least add him to the mix of guys who can who can get to the rim. At least you have two. I think I think Cat is a very good driver too. I think he's like the only other I mean Jalen Noel can put a little bit of pressure on the rim, I think too, but you're not going to rely on Jalen Noel for that. But I think getting Cat out there, he hits a couple threes, Zubox up playing up on him, yeah. drive right past him. And he you can know, drive past smaller fouls too. Like if you want to put Nick Batum on him, like He's like, got long strides. And he's, he's bigger and he's stronger. He's fast in a straight line. Yeah. He's fast in a straight He's not like super quick, but I'd say he's fast in a straight line. So I just, I think that would be really important. I think it's really interesting that we talked about all the problems with this roster coming into the, the season. We don't have a defending power forward. 
We don't have a power forward that can hit threes. We don't have pretty much a power forward. That was like all that was talked about. But nobody ever talked about the rim pressure. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever mentioned the rim pressure because it didn't really come to anybody's mind. But hearing Anthony Edwards quotes, you know, post game, um, and I don't think he's really throwing his teammates under the bus. I think he's more still throwing a shot at the roster construction that there's nobody else to drive to the lane. But it's just, it's funny to me that that was not a concern. And we've seen it come up as like a huge, huge, huge concern. Um, and I'm, I'm sure one way to combat combat that is to have, you know, a power forward that can shoot because that would help just the overall offensive flow in general. But I just, I think they, they need to find somebody. It's, it's been encouraging to see Torian Prince put a little bit of pressure on the rim. He was doing yeah. that. Um, on Friday night, he had a couple nice drives the last couple games, but you're not taking Torian Prince super seriously when he's <laughs> doing that, you know, yeah. and J Mac can get into the lane, but he's only like five foot 11. So there's only so much pressure he can put in the rim. He's not going to, I mean, he has, but he's probably not going to sky over and dunk on someone. Yeah. Like he dunked on Clint Capella, but like, and he seems he's not going to be doing that a little bit of that fairy dust yeah. that he had, you know, finishing around the rim, that it seemed more like an outlier in that first stretch yeah. of games because he's been pretty bad the last two seasons actually finishing. And, sure. and teams don't guard him from three. Like, they'll, they'll let him drive because they'll take their chances defending the rim against the dude who's five foot ten. Yeah, for sure. I just – that's – it's just insane that that was something that the Timberwolves didn't seem to lack, and now all of a sudden it's like mm. a big thing that they're missing. Um, one wrinkle we saw that changed – um, from the first LA game to the second LA game was Torian Prince as the fifth starter. Um, it actually worked really well to start the game, but I think when that came back in the second half, it didn't quite go as good. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And like, had you ever thought of that maybe being that option? And what do you think going forward? Should they stick with one guy? Should they, they kind of match up base it? Should they, yeah, and who should that guy be if you think that it should be one guy moving forward? Yeah, I did I did think they might go with it after that first Clippers game just because we saw how LA guarded Cat and how they kind of left left J.O. or Vando alone or at least semi-alone so that they can could switch off and and have Zubats as a as a backside rim protector rather than the guy who's who's facing towns one on one. I don't I don't know. It, it's so hard to say which one you like and which one you don't like in terms of the power forward position because none of them are very good options. I, I, I think I'm still team Vanderbilt because I like that he he can rebound. I like that he can guard fours and big wings. Uh, I thought he did a brilliant job on Paul George both games when he was out there and, and sometimes that matters more than, than the offense. But then when you're in such a slump offensively, it's it's hard to kind of like there's no, they're all one way players kind of and I know Prince can do a little bit of both but like none of all of them take away something from from either side of the ball like you you start Prince you don't get rebounding um, you start Vanderbilt you have the the offensive lane is pretty clogged because he's going to hang out in the dunker spot and he no matter what he says on Twitter cannot shoot threes um, and then you or you start Jo who 
can't shoot threes or really rebound, but he's an elite defender and can and can. He's an okay rebounder. He, yeah, he, for his size. Yeah, exactly. But and he's, he's just too small. Six foot four, and, and he's more of a good yeah. offensive rebounder. Effective height of like six foot eight, <laughs> though. Let's um, let's put that out there. But Jo can guard the best perimeter player. Like Jo can guard anyone, maybe one through four, uh, as long as they're not right. like a really big four. So, yeah, it, it's. I think I'm Vanderbilt because I like that he's bigger. I like that he rebounds. Uh, if in my perfect world you are playing Cat further away from the basket, um, you have Vanderbilt in there still to to get the occasional offensive rebound when Cat's probably going to lose a few off- offensive rebounds if he's not kind of around that that post area. And and I think Vanderbilt um, is a more versatile defender probably than a Cody just because he's taller and he can also protect the rim a little bit better. So. I think Vanderbilt, um, Prince, Prince needs to hit shots. Like if Prince isn't hitting shots, he's just not an option. Um, I'd probably say Vanderbilt and then a Cody, then Prince would be my preference, but it really is matchup based. Um, who are they playing next? Memphis. I'd probably start Vanderbilt against Memphis. Um, Jaron. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know you just go you just go like that. I I think that's the best. What they're doing right now is the best option of a bad bunch of options. Is just you know roll out who who makes more sense on the on any given night. And I think with those three, it seems like all of them would be very useful backups, but none of them are like a fantastic like starting option. But this is something that I guess I want to ask you about what if that fifth starter isn't a power forward and it's someone like Malik Beasley who has really come back to nearly how good he was last season. Um, And for a team that's been struggling on offense and not really struggling on defense, what, I guess, what's the cost of doing something like that? If you can get, and to be honest with you, I'm not going to say he's been great, but Malik Beasley really has been a lot better defensively this season. Yes, he has. My eye test wise. Yeah. I don't know what the numbers say, but and just I, watching yeah, him play, I think he seems very season, intentional. Of what he, I think eight games into the season, you just trust the eye test over any sort of numbers. Yeah, exactly. Everything's right. So and that's nice. why I didn't even look him up. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, I think he's looked pretty good defensively. Mm-hmm. Not that like, and granted he's been, you know, he's been playing defense a lot more against like second units than he has against first units, but I just think like he's been a lot more intentional of not overplaying defensively and just kind of making sure he's in his spots doing what he's supposed to be doing rather than like going for steals, going for blocks. Um, I don't love that option. I'm going to put that out there. I think they need to keep Jaden at the three, especially with his fouling problems. I think you want to keep him where he's kind of at, but I don't think it's, I can't say you're anybody would be dumb for thinking about putting Malik Bees in the lineup, especially with D'Lo being out, but D'Lo supposedly according to Ant is going to be back Monday. Um, Dr. Ant. We'll see if he actually is, but um, yeah. So I just, what, what are your thoughts about Beasley being that fifth guy? Uh, I think it's a, as good as, as good of an option as any. Um, Normally, I wouldn't. I, I definitely didn't advocate it throughout the whole off season. Um, normally, I wouldn't advocate for it, but I also had no expectation that the offense would be this bad. Um, and if the offense is this bad, throw Malik Beasley up there. Like you said, he's he's 
slowly coming back to what he was. He's clearly still the most dependable and versatile shooter on the team outside of Towns, and and he's going to be able to get up more threes than Towns on on any given night because he can run off screens and and he's always active looking for the ball, which is something that is really valuable right now in a team that seems to be just stood in the mud a lot offensively. Um, like I said earlier, I think Finch runs really good screening actions for, for Beasley, which uh, makes me excited at least to watch. <laughs> it gives me, gives me content to, to write about, but it, it is helpful uh, on a team that, yeah, it seems so just bogged down in the half court. At least you can get Beasley running off threes. I think he's done a really good job of making the right decisions this season. Uh even, even when the shots weren't going in, I don't think he was really forcing them. I think if he came off a off a pin down or a double pin down and the defense kind of cheated their way through and got there, that he would pass back to the to the open man or he would take two dribbles into the free throw line and try and hit someone in the corner. Uh, like you said, I think he's been really good defensively for, for him. Uh, just just disciplined to the scheme. Still has his, his foibles kind of running to the corners and, and closing out really poorly, really bad at closeouts, Beasley, but he's he's got more protection now on the backside when he does kind of kind of miss a closeout, he's, but he's missing less assignments. He's he's clearly knows the defensive scheme from his time in Denver, which which I think helps. Um the more I think about it right now and kind of talk myself into it, maybe it's maybe it's just the idea like they're playing terribly. I think maybe you just try it. It's the one thing they haven't tried yet. So, yeah. If it, and McDaniel's is picking up four fouls a game. So, like, is he is this is it possible for him to foul out quicker as a four than he did in the thirteen minutes the other night? Like, it, the the rebounding is an issue, a pretty big issue in that, and that's I think that's why Finch doesn't do it um, because. McDaniel's needs to rebound his position better when he's a three, and if you put him at a, as as the four, and he's getting two rebounds in a game, um, you might just get killed in a different way, in a way like the Pelicans killed them in that in that third game. So I don't know, man. It's depressing <laughs> to talk about because all of them lead back to the to the avenue where it's kind of like you couldn't get you could get killed this way. But you could get killed any of the ways and maybe Finch just needs to try the Beasley way and that might be, you know, successful for a game or two and then you you readjust and, and you see where you're at from there. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's something that's got to be... I think that whether he starts or not, I think Beasley has to play 30 minutes a game. I don't want to mm-hmm. see him knocked down to the, the low to mid-20s just because the offense is... We're going to need that offense. And what he's been able to show us defensively is like, okay, this guy can actually, you know, not hurt us as much on that side of the ball. Yeah. And his offense can really outweigh his defense. Cause that was kind of the thing with Malik for a while. It's like his defense is so bad. Is his offense even outweighing yeah. how bad he's been on defense? And it's, it's been better um, to the point where it's like, if he's playing like he has been the past couple games that he's been you know, back to his old self. He's playing like his old self offensively, maybe not even to the level of last season, but like 85% of last season offensively, but he can keep this defensive effort up. Then I think you're sitting pretty good with where, with where Beasley is at, even if he's not starting. Um, 
I just think that it's been pretty good. And um, teams respect him from deep. Like team, yeah, he has, for sure. He has three point gravity, which is different to being, you know, like a floor spacer is different to being a guy who can shoot threes. Like Jaden McDaniel is not a floor spacer because teams. Patrick Beverly, I think, is the best idea yeah. of like a like being able to shoot threes where like your floor spacer is Malik Beasley. Because yeah, floor spacing is not, not not just ability; it's gravity yeah, and yeah. like attention that you're garnering from the defense. Yeah, and Beasley has that. Him and, and D'Lo, Kat, him, D'Lo. D'Lo and Cat are the only ones that have it. And yeah. Ant still has it Ale- because Ant does he has that light. Because his drive. Yeah, yes. he has that kind of aura about him, but teams don't want him to drive, so they're going to let him shoot the three. And, and he's yep. too willing to, to accept that challenge to shoot the three and prove that you know they're stupid for, for leaving him open. I think that's a bit of the problem with Ant is he wants to be like, you know, if you, if you don't think I can shoot threes, I'll prove to you that I can shoot threes, which... Yeah, just go past them. Like you can still get to the rim, and and it doesn't like then they'll then they will come out on you. If you get into the rim, then they'll start to play you more aggressively, and then you can can shoot more threes. Kind of you know in, in the flow of the offense as a catch and shoot guy rather than a a pull up threat. But like Ant, Ant just has too much pressure on him without D'Lo, and too much pressure sure. on him when Cat's in the post, and he has to be the only the only offensive kind of totem pole. Um, on the perimeter, it's just it's too much. The dude hasn't even played a full NBA season, and and credit to him that he gets treated that way because he's really damn good. But yeah. like we forget, I think sometimes that all of a sudden he's like, if he's not Donovan Mitchell, the team can't win. And yeah, he's not that he's he's virtually still a rookie, and and it's just it's a tough position for him to be in where the team kind of can't win unless he dominates. Uh huh, for sure. So I think that's a good segue into into what I want to talk about next with Ant. Um, since D'Lo's been out the past two games, that's kind of changed what Finch has done with his rotations, and it's gone to where Anthony Edwards has been the first sub out. And to be honest with you, I want to see that going forward. I want mm-hmm. Ant to be the the first sub out. I want D'Lo to stay on the floor with Cat for a while. Um. And I think the biggest reason, I don't know if I've really heard anybody talk about this, but the biggest reason I can see or I would want it to happen is I want Ant to try to increase his driving against second units Mm -hmm. when maybe the rim protector is not as good. I mean, some teams have a better rim protector as their backup than their starter. That's just roster construction. But like against a worse center, a worse theoretically worse defense as a second unit. I want to see Ant thrive going to the rim against those players. Um, you know, I would rather have seen him going to the rim against Isaiah Hartenstein than against Zubak. Um, and same thing is like when you play against the team, trying to think of a team off the top of my head, but like, yeah, if you're going up against like Milwaukee, I'd rather see Ant going driving on like, Bobby Portis then onto mm-hmm. Brooke Lopez at the rim or whoever is in that backup center spot. Um, I think it's been really good to see Ant as that first sub out. I think it'll be even better if Delo's back and Delo's in that main, you know, that, that first unit still with cat on the floor. I think that would be, I, I like that going forward and you've been nodding your head. So I feel like you like the idea of Ant being the first sub out too. What are your thoughts? I do. On that? I do Why like do you like it. that? Um, I think if if my memory serves me correctly, 
both Ant's best stretches in both of these last two games have been in that early second quarter, late first quarter, when he's been able to play with with Nas and and McLaughlin. And I think the reason for that is because first of all, it's there's no I don't think there's any any hesitancy with Ant that that he's not the number one guy out there. It's just kind of the mentality that he has. But but there's absolutely no question that when he's out there with with the bench guys that he needs to score and that he needs to do it efficiently and that he doesn't have doesn't it? Because I still think he's he's a little bit undecided sometimes about whether he should be passing to Cat or passing to Delo or whether he should just be doing it all himself. Um, with the second unit, there's no questions there. He's got to do it himself. He's got to do it himself. Um, Nasri doesn't post up, not a lot. He does post up. He's re- he's actually really good in the post, but they're not like hammering post up as the first option in in the set. Um, normally, Nas kind of you know runs a pick and pop. He gets the ball back. He'll he'll flow into a dribble handoff, and then he and then he'll kind of pivot round and, and go into the post. Um, that leaves 10, 12, 14 seconds where there's no one guy in the rim. Uh, just teams do guard Nas. That he's he's definitely got some gravity just at, as a scorer, um, and that that leads to to Anthony Edwards having more space to drive. Uh, he should have. I know I'm bringing it back to this every time, but he should have more space to drive in the starting lineup if Cat wasn't sitting in the post all game. Um, and then I just think that, I just think that the, the, the overall flow of things with him just as the lead guy worked well with the bench because the bench kind of predicates itself on defense and ball movement. Um, there's no real go-to other go-to guy. The other guy normally is Beasley and Beasley still probably check in for Ant. So it's all about just ball movement and the ball finds the energy. And I think Ant has energy when he's with that second unit. Um, And they play good defense and they get out in transition. So I think most of the transition highlights that we've seen with Anthony Edwards the last few games have all been with that second unit. Um, You know, Nas gets a stop or or J-Mac gets a little poke away or Torian Prince comes in and grabs a rebound. And then all of a sudden, um, they're off to the races and and Ant can finish. So I, I completely agree. And more so I agree because I really like Cat and Delo together. I, I don't love the idea of them splitting their minutes or staggering their minutes. Um, I think Cat does a lot of the things that I've been preaching for him to do when uh, Delo is on the floor. He's a much better pick and roll uh, threat when Delo's on the floor, gets more pick and pop opportunities. Delo's very, very aware of Towns when he's on the court. Um, which is a little bit of a worry for mine at the start when they were getting used to each other. But I think D'Lo really looks for Cat. And so, yeah, as much as I like Ant with the second unit, I think more so I like D'Lo with the first unit and with Towns and get them to play the first 12 and then, you know, go from there. Yeah, and that's what I kind of, another reason I liked it too, was keeping Ant, or Ant, excuse me, Cat and D'Lo together at the same time. Um, because I think, that pick and pop combination is really good. Um, I think they just work well with each other. He's just a fraction overall. of a second quicker on the pick and pop passes than Ant is, or than yeah. uh-huh. Patrick Beverly is, and and that fraction of a second means a lot when you're a guy who doesn't need that much space to shoot. There's so much. There's so much, um, or so many, excuse me, times where I'm watching and I'm like, catch it at the ball already. Mm-hmm. He's at the top of the key, wide open. He should have the ball already. Um, and he needs to shoot they, as well. It's on him yeah, as well. Like, he does. Like if you get the ball, oh, for sure. I hate 
when he gets the ball and kind of he's fur, you can tell his first option is to survey the court for a cutter or for a, like you know mm-hmm. someone to come back and get that dribble handoff off him, like a little kind of pitch and pitch and return. Um, just shoot it, man. Like this team needs him to just shoot. If that means he shoots thirty eight percent from three or thirty seven percent from three, you know, and not forty four, like that's worth it because that's what you know. Damian Lillard shoots thirty seven percent from three, like. Jason Tate, you know, they probably shoot that fluctuated between 40 and 38. But like when you shoot 10, 12 threes a game, you're going to inherently shoot a lower percentage. But the the overall effectiveness of someone hitting, you know, four threes a game is is massive. I went and looked at some Anthony Edwards numbers here by quarter because we're talking about subbing him out first and his best, so I filtered it by like per 36 minutes just to get mm-hmm. like an even playing field for each quarter. He averages 28.8 points in second quarters, which is by what? far his best 28.8 per 36. Oh, yeah. Um, Sorry. In second I, quarters. For a second, I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, uh, yes, per 36. Yes, yes. So, um, what, what, are we, obviously, it's his best. What are we looking at? It's his field goal percentage wise and whatnot. So second quarter field goal percentage, he's shooting 36.4% from three on 11 attempts. So like, that's actually like, I don't want to, and obviously he's, this is per 36. So that's still 36%, 36% is good. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think for someone like, and if he's like a 36, 37% shooter, you're totally fine with that. He's shooting 44% um, overall from the that's, field. That's it doesn't perfect. show me if 2%. He shot that for the entire season. He would be an all-star. Right, because right now he's shooting, from the field, he's shooting 40% this year, yeah. you know, and 30% from three. Um, but like I said, 28.8 points in that 36, per 36 minutes, and he's a plus nine during that time. So that's, mo- a lot of that's, you know, he'd come in early when Cat's not there, probably play the first six minutes, because usually Cat plays the whole first. So mm-hmm. he's, he's probably playing about six minutes without Cat there. Um, I... And then his second best quarter, well, it gets a little dice here. The fourth quarter, he shoots really effectively from three, 41%, but he's only scoring, <clears throat> excuse me, 18 points per 36 minutes. That's so he's when not things have been bogging down in the fourth. That's when the right, Wolves right. have really found it hard to score. And so. these, these are only eight, you know, we're eight games of the season. Yeah. So there's tons of caveats with this, but I think it's pretty clear that second quarters has probably been his best you know, best quarter. And I think it feels that way when we're watching yeah. too. Last year was a lot of like fourth quarters. Like, do you remember how he would take over games yeah. in the fourth quarter? He hasn't really done that as much. And I don't think season. either of us are saying that he's better without Towns on the floor, but for those minutes where Towns has to be off the floor, he's the best option out of D'Lo and, and Ann. Yes. And in the last two games, when he for sure has been the first sub out in the second quarters, he's averaging 33.6 points per 36 minutes. Mm. So really good. He also is shooting 54% from the field while shooting 20% from three in second quarters. So that's again, two games, but like going up against second units, getting to the rim more. If he's shooting 20% from three, that means from yeah. two, he's shooting like ridiculously yeah. high. Because he started um, off the season pretty uh, dicey from from the rim. Uh, not only not yeah. getting there enough, but he wasn't hitting as many shots. But the last few games, outside of the Orlando game, probably like the last five games, he's been back to like 
if you take away that Orlando game, I'd say he'd be, you know, 65, 70% from, from the rim, which is makes it all the more frustrating that he's shooting 10 threes a game. Like, I don't know if this was last night. I checked it the night before, so these stats might be out of date, but he was shooting the fourth most threes in the league. Um, and that's... I can look it up real quick. And there's other guys up there who were shooting really poorly, like Jordan Clarkson was up there and he was shooting like low 20s. But like, these are guys who are notable shooters. It's number one, number one, Steph, he's shooting 13. He should be shooting 20, but regardless, <laughs> he's shooting 13. Buddy Heald shooting uh, 10.7. He's so second. Check, check. That Donovan Mitchell. Um, yeah. And he's shooting, and Buddy's shooting like 42%. Yeah. Uh, Donovan Mitchell shooting 10 per game. He's only shooting 33%. Uh, and then Ant's fourth with 9.6. He's at 29.9%. Jordan Clarkson, six, 22%. Yeah. Damian Lillard's 21% and seven. Well, so, like, it's a good example of why shooting numbers eight games into the season don't matter that much because Damian Lillard is shooting 21% from three. Like, and Jordan right. Clarkson's shooting 22%, who's a very good shooter as well. Like, but sure. Anthony Edwards doesn't have the the cachet that those guys do as like multi multi year good shooters. Anthony Edwards has not had a single good year of shooting. So yeah, like as but much this as I season, want him shooting threes, and I do think he's a, I think he's a good shooter. I think he's a shooter in the a little bit in the way that like Luca is. How Luca always shoots a poor percentage from three, but the fact that he's taking so many pull ups really does help. Yeah, you know, the offense, and he's like his shot quality isn't good, but those shots. Like people don't make those shots at forty percent clips. A and I don't think anybody's wanting is, is a good, you know, a good number for pull up threes. So it's it's a different ball game, but there needs to be a better balance. And I think it should be six or seven threes compared to nine or ten threes yeah, per yeah. game. I still want him taking six. You do have to keep the defense honest. I want the good Kat news taking is, ten. I'm gonna keep hammering yes. that this whole podcast. I want no, Kat more Pagan. than ten. Cat should be there with Steph Curry, and I know he's not Steph Curry, but like in this offense, a cat three is the most valuable shot that you can, you can get and outside of an Anthony Edwards like, drive. Cat is shooting like forty-seven percent from three yeah. this year so far, which yeah. again, eight games, but like he's gonna stick above forty for sure, or not for sure, but like yeah, probably it. thirty-nine yeah. would be the yeah. worst, right? But so far this season. I'm just going to go through how Ant's been shooting at different places in the floor. Within three feet, he's shooting 62%, which is See, that's both the same. It's about the same he shot last year. That's bonkers. He I think was he, at like 50 throughout the first like three or four games. Like his last four games must have been ridiculously high. Yeah, and I can't I this on yeah, basketball reference, yeah. so it's a lot harder to filter this. But um and then three to ten feet, he's at 26%. That's never been his spot. He doesn't have the touch for floaters. He needs so like he needs to find a floater. He needs to find it. Yeah, um, ten to sixteen feet. He's actually shooting forty-one percent. I have. I, only, I felt like the last only few games he's been 10%, shooting well in the mid-range. Which only ten percent of his shots come from that, from ten to sixteen feet. But still, like, yeah, pretty solid. Um, and then, uh. 16 feet, you know, long mid range. He's actually shooting 37.5%, which is way better than last year. But again, only like 5% of his shots are coming from there. And then obviously from three, he's only shooting 30%. The, the crazy thing is he, ta- he hasn't been getting calls. He's taking a lot of contact when he gets to the rim yeah. and he's still shooting, you know, 62%, I which think that is really, really good. I think that really disparages him when he doesn't get calls. I think he gets 
he gets annoyed that he doesn't get a call and then he just thinks, well, I'm just going to shoot the three then. Like, yeah. And that's not the greatest mentality. And I think it's something he'll grow out of. Again, he's 20 years old and he's he's in the nicest way possible. Like he's an immature 20, you know, yeah. like he's still so fresh to like learning how to be the guy on an NBA basketball team that's like actually trying to win. It'd be different if they tore this down and they, and you know, things went horribly this season and they traded Cat, like then it would be fine for, for Edwards to do whatever he wanted. And, but it's not as beneficial as really having a team that, that is relying on you to win games. Like, you know, Cade Cunningham can miss his first 21 shots of the season and no one cares. But Anthony Edwards, like, if he doesn't play well, the team doesn't win. And if the team doesn't win, the the pressure piles onto them. And I do think that's a good thing because I, I'm, I want these guys to grow up in at least a somewhat, like, even if it's not a winning environment, at least an environment that expects you to win because there was just so yeah. many seasons where Cat wasn't even expected to win. And I think in some ways you kind of see the fruits of that of that labor now. Yeah. So I think we're in agreement. Ant needs to be the first sub going yeah. forward. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we um, went on I, a tangent there, but I think that's we agree on that. Yeah, back to that point. I think that's going to be a good thing. And, and it'll be fun to track if, if Finch noticed that too. And, and if yeah, he's I'm excited to, to see to what that. he does when Delo's back um, with the rotations. All right. So next thing I want to do, I, I posted on Twitter um, after last night's game, um, Friday night's game. I said, all right, Wolves fans, what are your biggest questions, hot takes, et cetera, for the Wolves? I said I'd pick a few to count to, you know, we could talk about here in the pod. Oh, no. A couple more funny. Wolves are cursed and will be back for eternity, <laughs> forever breaking my heart. Um, I agree with that one. Um, but Josh Pauly asked, does this bad start to the season make you want Ben Simmons more or less? And more. I don't want to go on like a huge more. topic, but I'm going to let's do a quick bullet points. I say more too. Because he pressures the rim. Mm-hmm. He makes your defense even better. He answers that power, that rebounding situation, the big body power forward, and he can play make. So, in a vacuum, I want him more than I did before the season started. If you ask me after the first few games, maybe my answer wouldn't be <laughs> the same. My answer thing. Was, was don't even pick up the phone after three games, but now I'm like, cold, cold, cold. Yeah. Um, like I said, the, the rim pressure is one of the biggest reasons. Um, and then yeah. the defense and the rebounding is is kind of kind of that. So I feel like there's not a lot else to add to that. I still just want to um, see Ant and Ben Simmons in transition just, just one time. Like that would be if the that's that's a nutty pairing in transition offensively. Yeah. yeah. I'm I I can just envision the Ben Simmons drop pass between his legs backwards <laughs> to Ant. And it's just beautiful in my then, mind. But, the problem um, is that that these eight games have made it less likely that they can get Ben Simmons right. because their especially assets, because their main trade pieces haven't been yeah playing their well. assets are declining by the game. So it's 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 yeah. still it always did to me, but it seems even more like a pipe dream now than it than it was. Yeah. Um, next one, I don't even know how to say this name, so I'm not gonna. But it says, "Would the Wolves be?" Would the Wolves, I can't read. Would the Wolves better keep build? Okay, I'm just going to paraphrase this. Basically, is it better to keep building and being patient with, with this team, build around Ant, Ant, or trade Ant now to win on purpose? And then they go on to say, I'll read this one verbatim. 
Seems pretty obvious that Edwards, as good as he is, doesn't fit well around Cat and D'Lo. And that's the last sentence I think is one of the most idiotic things I've probably read so far. Um, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm happy you did. Well, I think, if anything, Cat and D'Lo need that rim pressure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So to say Ant doesn't fit around those two... They doesn't make sense in my they mind They don't at all. fit around Ant more than he doesn't fit around them, I think. And that's not, right. I think... I, I think it's more so on D'Lo than it is yeah. on Cat. I think Cat and Ant fit really well together. I think they need a point guard, maybe. And, and I still think they can be solid with D'Angelo Russell. I'm actually still pretty high on him. Even though I, he's am, so I am too. Even though people on Twitter think I I hate him, but I, I do like you, him. Well, you did say he's not tenable I do, on this I, team. I think so. there's a very good argument that he's not, but I do like him. I think that, yeah. you know, like I want him to be good, but I think the things and that the re- it's for the reasons we spoke about is I, I question whether he's tenable on the team because they really need a guy who can put pressure on the rim. And usually that is right. point guards, like, you know, guys who can yep. get into the teeth of the defense out of pick and roll. And D'Lo's not that. Um, he's going to start hitting shots again, and I'm sure it'll look a lot better. But when he's not, it, it, it's, you know, I, I question it a little bit. Yeah. And the only other hope I think is like you hope Jaden gets yeah. an off the dribble game where he can pressure the rim and he's only, you know, 21 years old too. Yeah. So maybe that does come, but that's going to take a while. That's not going to be an overnight transition. That I don't even know if he'll ever get to mm. that point. So, but I would say Edwards fits really well. I think around. if you were tearing it down because I don't, he's the, yeah, he's the guy. He's, he's the person you tear it down around. I think, yeah. 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 And as, at, at this point, this juncture, Cat's obviously the best player on this team. He's the most consistent player on this team. Um, and Edwards might never get to that level. But when you take into fact consideration all the factors of, of contract, team control, charisma, yeah. like fan interest. Yeah. Oh, man. That's the guy would, it is. The, I don't want to think about it. You know, but like, what that's would be the torn guy. down is – Mayo Clinic target center. If target they traded Anthony Edwards, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Demolish. I think I think it's still we're still a couple of steps away. But I think if we're hurtling towards you know any sort of dramatic change, it'll be that Cat probably gets traded. Um, and I don't want to see that happen. I love Cat. I think that he can work as a as a first or second option on a good team. But like yeah, like you said, considering contracts, which is such a massive like if you. If you have a star on a rookie contract, you just don't trade him. It's pretty simple. Um, if you have a star that's heading yeah. into his final season soon and hasn't made any, like he hasn't signed an extension, he will, like we don't know whether, I don't think he has an extension on the, on the table yet, obviously, but. I think but, it's after this yeah, um, season. And we maybe? don't know whether he wants to leave or, or stay. Two years. But yeah, like he's the one that you know so far hasn't worked even though he's been very good and a lot of that not working has been not on him at all. But yeah, if, if you're trading any of those guys, it would probably be Cat as well because you would get a monstrous return. And now your return would be insane. And now you're rebuilding around Ant plus your return plus another another high pick, that, you know, probably two high picks, one from Minnesota and one from another team. So um, I don't want that to happen. I I. I'm always the guy sticking up for people who say just trade cat. You know, I don't think that's a good idea, but if we were picking sides, I would probably pick that one. I'm right there with you. The next one is that Leandro Balmero will have a Jada McDaniels level rookie season by the end of it. 
not be trusted at all as a rookie. Injuries and blowouts force him to play, and his spark will force him into the actual rotation over the one-dimensional guys. I think I can't agree with this one as high as I've been on him. Um, he just kind of does look out of place in the yeah. minutes that he's been on the court. I'm, the, I mean, I'm with it. I'm with to, I'm with that. I don't think he's going to have a Jaden McDaniels breakout, but like I tweeted this just before we got on air, so you might not have seen it, but I didn't. Like I, I to, am. I, look. I am a fan. At least if this season keeps barreling towards complete and utter disaster, I'm a fan of getting him some minutes because he does do some. He does put pressure on the rim. He can at least puncture the the paint and puncture the the first line of the defense, and he makes a really good plays if he can get two feet in the paint. Um, he can't shoot. I think he's a better shooter than people give him credit for because he's just like got this awful shot you know motion uh and people but like you know he shot well in spain last season he's very very small sample size shot well in the g league in the, in the one and a half games or whatever um and i just think i think he does things that this team could need i would not be having him in the rotation right now and i'm bolmaro stan but um right. it i think that the, I don't know if it is my bias just talking, but I do think that there is um, a case that if this season goes poorly, that he could at least start to get rotation minutes. And, and I think he's going to become a good player. So I'm kind of on board with the, with the, with that question or that hot take, but um, not, I wouldn't be thrusting him into the lineup. Yeah. Okay. Do you think he can put pressure on the rim? Like, do you think- not obviously not to the level of like, Ants or anything, but I think even with like his passing ability and his athleticism, do you think he could? I mean, I to be completely honest, I haven't watched that much of of his film just because it's kind of hard to get your hands on just, it. But... Just um, just saying this because I'm just I was just looking at the because obviously when we're talking, the Iowa Wolves just finished their game. Um, he had 19, eight and eight today. Um, eight of ten from the field, two of four from three. Um. Six turnovers as well, two steals. Just putting that out there, plus twenty three on the game. Um, so I, I do. It's tough because I would. I I think that he's he's slithery. I don't think he finishes very well at the rim. I don't think he finished very well at the rim in Spain. So I don't expect him to be finishing very well in the NBA. Um, but I think it's the decisions he makes when he gets past. I think he can, he can. He's really manipulative in the pick and roll uh, in terms of kind of setting guys up to be screened off. Um, Mm -hmm. And that means he can at least get past the point of attack. And I think when he gets past the point of attack, he makes really good plays. And and that does rely on guys to be cutting better and, and, uh, you know, Towns to be a role threat. Um, I think he'd be awesome with Nas Reed, who's just such a good roller. Um, oh, that would be fantastic. I think I he's think. better than Jordan McLaughlin. Like, and I'm not, I'm, I'm a pretty kind of, you know, I'm, I'm pretty high on what J Mac does for the team. Not, he hasn't been playing very well lately, but in general, I think J Mac is a, is a very good backup point guard. But I think Balmaro has height, a bit more athleticism, a truly, I think, underrated in kind of, you know, not the fan base, but more just like in what we think of his potential, like a truly underrated sense for an amazing, amazing pass. Like he has got awesome vision. I think even last night he played for like two minutes. He made an awesome pass immediately um, to, I think, Vando, who fumbled it unsurprisingly. Um, 
but I, I I do think that he's a I think he's a point guard and I think he's a really I think he's a big playmaker who can who can puncture the paint and make plays for others and 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 still finish at the rim occasionally. So like, do I want him playing twenty minutes a night? Definitely not. But do I think that he can at least be a guy who can put a little bit of pressure on the rim via others, if that makes sense? Like put pressure on the rim by huh. getting guys in a position to store at the rim. I think he does that almost as well as anyone on the team already. So that's kind of my take on on Bomar and whether he could be, yeah, a rim pressure guy. I think he he's a rim pressure guy for others, not not really himself. Okay, yeah, and like I said, I just haven't watched a, a ton of him, and so I don't really know, you know, what to expect in that regard. But I think you kind of laid out pretty good there. Um, it's cool to see that he's playing well in the G League. Of course, the G League. I didn't expect totally him to be game. this good in the G League. So I think he's a little bit more advanced. Like you said, it's very different, you know, to NBA basketball. Right. But um, yeah, I'm I'm surprised that he's playing that well. I'm surprised he's scoring that well. Um, he didn't even score that well in the minutes he got in Spain, which Spain is probably a better league, honestly, than the G League. Like, yeah, probably. But you know, he, that's I think two twenty. Oh, he got nineteen today, but. Two 20 point games pretty much in his first two games, making plays for others, hitting threes and shooting really well from the field. So yeah, I think the team would be pretty happy with with that experiment so far. Nathan Knight dominated as well today. Um, I don't know what he had. I can probably get it out. He had uh, 31 and 13. So good to good to get some minutes into those guys. Hit four, 31 hit four and 13. Threes as well. He hit 40, four threes as well. Free Nathan Knight. <laughs> Hashtag free Nathan Knight. Jeez. Oh, man. You know, I think that would be like an underrated thing is if Nathan Knight could come and be like a contributor at the NBA level. Yeah. I mean, he played for a good Hawks team last season, some. Like, and they not obviously a lot, think but he, he can't some. play the four at all because it seems like right now we're just cycling through options at the four and he can score. He can obviously shoot a little bit from deep, at least enough to make defenses think about respecting right. him and he can rebound as well. And he's big, like big, strong dude. So for whatever reason, uh, they don't seem to be able to think that he is like on that level of like Nas, you know, he's like, okay. So he's like the break, break glass in case of emergency guy. But like Jaden McDaniels was the Jaden McDaniels was a break glass in you know, in case of emergency. And that turned out pretty well. I'm not saying that's like the arc for Nathan Knight, but we're getting close to the emergency. The thing, so, yeah, you know, maybe we that are. glass and needs the, to be broken. The thing soon. with Knight, I think the thing with Knight um, is Knight seems like a star player type, like guy. Like yeah. he just needs the ball, and like that's not the type of guy he could be on the Wolves. So it'd be like yeah. he wants to be the guy. How he could tone? How could he tone that into being like a solid role player? And people, I mean, players do that all the time. You see, really good, highly touted college players go from being a star player yeah. to just a quality role player he might need, happens he might need something to to happen to you know nas or cat so he can get a three or four game stretch where he plays like vanderbilt did last season where it's kind of like we've got no other options that but to play vanderbilt or to play mcdaniels and you know they yeah. get four or five games and it's like all right well like we're not good enough to tell these guys they can't play anymore so maybe right. so, and and you know, they, these things happen naturally throughout the season where, you know, Vanderbilt or McDaniels or Towns or Nas are going to miss time through something probably. So 
Um, and the one thing I do like about what he could bring to the court that we don't have is that he can put pressure on the rim as like the role threat. Yeah. Nas is his own version of role threat pressure, but Nathan Nikens guy like get a lob and dunk it. I mean, he's not like elite at that, but like he's the closest thing the Wolves have to like a lob threat. So I wonder how I'd like to see how I would just be really interested to see how it would look next to Cat. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much him and Balmaro kind of um, synergize today in the pick and roll because. Yeah, I'd love to go back and watch that, but I also don't know if I I need to go back and watch (laughs) that or Uh, how I could go back and watch that. Yeah, we're we're sickos. If we're going back to watch an Iowa Wolves G League film, yeah, we're sickos. Second game of the season. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Boy, um, <laughs> do you have any like other big takeaways? I guess like we touched on a lot. We didn't touch on D'Lo a lot, um, but there's not a lot to say. He's been slow. We think he'll be better. Yeah, like we'll I see mean, what he looks like. I mean, if he he's good, like he's a good player. Like he's not. He's got his issues, and they're well documented. And I think that they do hold the team back when when he's really like kind of stuck on them. But he's not going to shoot. 25% from three or 35% from the field for the season. Like you don't go. Right. And I thought he was awesome down the stretch last season. So I assume he'll be back and he might take a few games to kind of ramp back into things. But I, I, I imagine at one point d going to start hitting, you know, he's going to go yeah. through a stretch where he scores 25 points a game and shoots 45% from three. For- and, he, and he looked good in the Milwaukee game. Yeah. He's only played one game since then. Actually, no, he played half a game one and a half game yeah, oh, one and a half no, yeah. one and a half yeah, game, yeah, since then. game as well yeah and so i guess like i don't know to be fair the team has looked better with d-low much better I mean, probably worse competi- and i've been get- probably worse competition since i made like- that tweet i've been getting people in everything i tweet mentioning that their team looked better with d-low so i agree if you are listening to this people i do agree i do like d-low and I, I, I can't wait for him to be back. And it seems like the team can't wait for him to be back, which is important as well. So, um, yeah, for sure. And are, he's already got one one dunk this season, which is nuts. nuts. The same amount that he had last season. He, <laughs> he his only dunk last season was Boston. That crazy that crazy dunk on Luke Cornett in I was the Boston game. Drunk watching that, and I thought I was. I was covering <laughs> that game. That was the first game I ever covered, and I'm just sitting there. It and was real, It was and really. Like, was it like a matinee game? Because I was up late. Yeah, it was the second to last game here. of the season. Yeah, I was. It was the second to last game of the season, and I'm the first game I've ever been media at, right. And like, obviously, if you <laughs> sit on media, role, you're, not a, you're not a fan. They played horribly. Yeah, they didn't play very well. They, but you're not a fan at you know as media. You're, yeah, you got to be professional. You know, no cheering, whatever. I don't know how to contain my, I think we all just kind of looked around and we're just like, like, and we're up in like the sweet level and like, we're all spaced out, but we're just like, what just happened? Like that's the most athletic I've ever seen D'Angelo Russell look. Um, but yeah, I just think it was cool to see him dunk once this yeah. season. Yeah. Um, but well, I think that's, I, don't a little, know. It's I, a, I think when he dunks, that's almost him saying like, I feel good. Like that's what it yeah, felt like good. last season. What game was it in this year? Was it? Uh, it was. Oh, I, I literally watched because I've been watching clips of cat shots and and cat assists, and uh-huh. I literally watched it this morning. Um, it might have been Milwaukee or Denver, maybe even. 
I think, I don't think it was Denver because I think I was watching on TV and I was at the Denver game. Could've oh, been. it was the Milwaukee game, the game yeah. that he played good. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, maybe not. Oh, maybe Pelicans second maybe game. Maybe not. Gosh, I can't remember it's now. It's one of the games. <laughs> it's for sure. Regardless. One of, it's for sure one of them. Regardless, he dunked. Yeah. And yeah. And like that, was, I, like, that was a nice dunk too. Yeah. Like that was I, actually like a pretty I solid said, dunk I too. I think it's him saying like, you know, my body feels good. And, and when his body feels good, he seems to play better. And uh-huh. um, unfortunate that, you know, he, he turns his ankle. It seems like he probably avoided it being a bad one. Like if that's those high ankle sprains can kind of really derail someone's season for, for three or four weeks. So if he misses right. two or three games, I think we can probably count ourselves pretty lucky that, that that's all it was. Yeah. And I don't think, like you're saying, I don't know if it was really like, if he'll be back for this Monday game or not, Anthony Edwards kind of made it seem like he was, but again, Anthony Edwards is not the, you know, he's not the doctor. He's not the <laughs> one making that decision, but he is like, you know, he probably wouldn't have said that, if Devo was going to be out for like a long time, you know, if there wasn't optimism that he would be back like super soon. So I don't know. I just think he's going to be back. I would guess by the end of this week, I would, I mean, that's no inside information other than my source of Anthony Edwards, but it seems like Delo will um, come back soon and hopefully help this team. Because I, I do think as bad as he's been, it's just been better to have him like, on the court then off yeah, of it yeah yeah um and he can definitely make even if he's not an pressure guy he can still make plays as a as a guy who can do stuff off the catch which is just as important on a team that doesn't really have much of that either it's kind of just shoot a three or bust at the moment so at least you get D'Lo to add a little bit more you know he can always get into the mid-range and hit a shot which which no one else seems to be doing either like he just adds a little bit more juice to the offense and, and clearly they need it yeah, and I'm trying to figure out which game this was in because I can't get over it. But, um, yeah, I think that probably covers all of our bases. I mean, we didn't talk about everybody. Not everybody warrants being part of the conversation, I think. But I think it was a good combo. I, I'm sorry that I threw your <laughs> Prince jerseys under the bus a little bit there. but I, I um, think it was more upbeat than it, than it could have been. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's more Did you expect than... anything less from me? <laughs> I expected expect- more optimism on the Prince jerseys, but that's about all. Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> it's because I was too optimistic about the other jerseys. <laughs> so it's it still all ties back into that. Um, but yeah, I think um, if you would have, if we would have recorded this right after last night's game, oh, yeah. you probably would have. Yeah, I, I think that was in. the most frustrated, the most frustrated I've been oh, um, as a fan. Yeah, so disappointed. Yeah, it was bad, but. Hey, it's in the rear view. Yeah. We'll look at the Monday. They played Memphis. Do you, one last thing, do you think they match up good with Memphis? Or like, what are you expecting to see? Especially if D'Angelo Russell is back. Um, yeah, I actually think they match up okay with them. Like better than previous seasons. Anytime Cat doesn't have to play um, Jonas Valanciunas, it's a good thing. I don't know, contrary to, I think, popular belief that I've seen around a little bit, like, Cat matching up against Stephen Adams is a, always a good thing, in my opinion. Like Stephen Adams cannot guard Cat in any capacity. He's just—I know he's big and he's strong, but like he seems to be one of the few dudes that Cat always drags out to the perimeter and just toasts. I him. would love to see what what their like matchup stats. I think are. they'll probably put Jaron Jackson on Cat and maybe, but like that's the thing is like Jaron Jackson isn't a good defender. I love Jaron Jackson and like. 
he has the reputation of a good defender because that's what he was supposed to be, but he's not. Like he's an awesome offensive player for and, and an awesome shooter at his size. But like either of those guys matching up against Cat, even Jackson as the weak side guy, like I think Cat will probably feast. Um Morant is gonna score a bunch, I think. Like he's had an awesome season, Jar. So what do you think they'll put on? I think they'll I think they'll start J.O. I think they'll start J.O. Oh, okay. and they'll put him on him now that we're... And, and put Jaden on Jaren? Yeah, yeah, because Jaren is not a really a threat. In, he's a, to he's rebound. A, yeah, he's a lob threat, but he's not a, he doesn't score inside at all. He shoots three. And he's, and he not a, he's not a rebounding big yeah, either. Exactly. I think he averages only like... And either is Stephen what Adams. He does. And either is Stephen Adams, really. Like, Stephen Adams has never been like a really, really good defensive rebounder. He is a good offensive re- rebounder, but like, I think the main... Um, thing you have to take away from Memphis is Ja Moran. Like you cannot let him score forty five, or you're gonna lose. Like, yeah. and he can very well yeah. score forty five, and he's been so so good this season. So, I think you just stick Jo on him, um, which probably decides. But if Delo's not back, do you you probably go with Pat Bev on him, and then maybe yeah, think yeah. about switching well, yeah, around. That, the... Yeah, I think then yeah, you, you probably go Pat Bev, and then maybe you can play Vando or or. Malik Beasley, even like we were speaking about earlier. Um, I think if you, I think they actually match up pretty well with them. I, I hated their matchup with them in previous seasons. Mark Gasol and Valentunas are two of the guys that just always roasted cats. So now that yeah. neither of those now guys no Valentunas, yeah, I, I'm I, I kind of feel kind of confident, and that's what hurts me every time. <laughs> I think too the thing with with Memphis was um, in the past Memphis always killed the wolves because they're really good at floaters mm-hmm. and floater is like the number one thing you give up when you're playing a drop coverage defense. Yeah. yeah. And with the wolves going away from the draft coverage here, hopefully there's less floaters for like yeah. Tyus, good point. Ja, those players, because that was, I mean, think about last season, the wolves got killed Loaded by floaters. to death. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I think that bodes well with this new defensive scheme. But then again, like Memphis has been pretty good. I mean, they've been slower lately. I don't know. They started out really hot. They got, I think they they've got lost now. Like, they got demolished their last game, which um, right. I, I don't know. Is it a good thing? By or Washington. Bad, yeah, by like I don't know if that's a good 30. thing or a bad thing. Like, will they come out kind of hungry or are they regressing back a little bit back to like what they might be without? Valentinus in the in the lineup who's who yeah. was really good last season. So I think it's and a, they had two two like pretty close losses or pretty close wins against Denver too. So like yeah, they are. I'd say they're in the same echelon as like talent as the Timberwolves, but yeah. they've just been executing and like shooting the ball better. Taylor Jenkins is an awesome coach as well. So um, I think so too. It's so Finch, I think, but you know, it's um like I said, I think when Jar plays poorly, they lose. They're, they're really fallen more into like that Clippers kind of like if their best player doesn't play well, you can beat them. Um, yeah. And so it's all about, and I think the wolves are just, the wolves are due for some good offense. They're please, just due for some please, good offense. Just, or like just lose by eight points all game. Don't get up by 20. Don't do yeah. that to me again. If you get up by 20, win by at least 10, please. Or just win by at least I 20. called the game in the first quarter. I'm like, this game's over. The, the Clippers <laughs> game, I was like, there's no way like, it's going to go bad. And it, it did. 
unfortunately, oh, which no, is like I, I felt like a Ryan Saunders. Yeah, I'm so um jaded that that I always think the Wolves will lose at any point. I am confident the Wolves will lose. Like as soon as you know they hit the Clippers hit like one three and and you felt the energy kind of drain from the building a little bit. It was like yeah, the Wolves are gonna lose this and like, yeah. They finally uh, hit their first three in the third quarter, and it was yeah, just downhill yeah. from there. Uh, the refereeing was awful, awful, awful. I mean, we don't need to spend any time on that, but awful, no. awful, awful. Awful. That's like the perfect word for it. Embarrassing yeah. also. Yeah. But all right. Well, I think we've taken enough of your time. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. This was, I think, a really good free-flowing conversation that wasn't just mucked up by like trying to fill space. I think you talked about a lot of stuff. This is your first time. Here, yeah, right? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I had an awesome talked time, a couple man. times on, on your pod, yeah. but the the time zone thing just <laughs> really it's, limits it. But I'm oh, glad we could it's we could do annoying. it. Yeah, um, yeah. No, nah, thanks for having me on, man. Um, I always appreciate you, and I, and I had a lot of fun today. So yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Again, if you haven't already, it's howls and growls.substack.com, correct? That is it. Um, yeah, or just go onto my Twitter and you know, you'll know you find me kind of easy. Self promoting. Onto the Twitter. Constant self promotion. Probably pin tweet. Yeah. Probably pin tweet because man's got to make money. <laughs> um, but seriously, Jake does write some of the best. If you want to learn more about the specifically about the game of basketball, you have to read Jake because all the breakdowns film review, that type of stuff. He's just A1 from day one with that. But also the player grades are awesome. The three sentences, talking crap about whoever, <laughs> just whatever. I think that's I mean, where I have, it's awesome. That's where I have my That's most probably fun. the most fun. Yeah, and they're yeah, all that's free. Be the they're most all fun free. One. So, you know, you, you don't want to pay me, which I understand you don't want to pay for anything to do with the Wolves right now. Um, yeah, head over there and there's there's a couple of free things every week. So, and, and after straight after every game, I'll have, Free player ratings, which yeah, I try and keep pretty light and pretty fun because the team is not that. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they're light. They're small. They're light. <laughs> yeah. they're they're not, not they fun. haven't been fun though. But I was quick story. I was trying to subscribe to your stuff, your sub stack. Um, and the bank denied the charge because it was in Australia. <laughs> so I had to call the bank and I said, No, you gotta unblock Australia because I need this this transaction to go through. Um, but yeah, again, go over, subscribe, like you said, on his Twitter. Um, but again, thanks, Jake. This was fantastic. Um, hopefully maybe the two of us combining with this podcast can shed some good faith, um, into the wolves because we need it. We need it bad. I can't, I can't suffer another loss, man, especially not on a Monday. (laughs) I think they've lost all their Monday games this season. So, um, yeah, that sounds about right because yeah. the third game of the season would have been that Monday. Monday that Monday target center energy is is low. The Orlando game was Monday. Yeah, no. Maybe the road, maybe but it's not in target trip. center. Yeah, it's not at the target a, center. A road trip out to, to Tennessee. Yeah, get under. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, this is the longest outro ever, but this has <laughs> been the Believe in Timberwolves podcast presented by Bet Online. Thank you, Jake. Uh, thanks everybody for listening, and I will be back. Hopefully next week. I don't know, probably sometime unless I just quit if they keep losing. Um, But anyways, peace out.